in all relationships and friendships, any kind of relationship is a new experience. People are experiences. This is Champagne is also a band podcast. One songwriter, one song. I'm Sven, your host for a journey into the music of Champaign-Urbana. Recorded in the Blue Box studio with a songwriter from the Champaign-Urbana music scene, past or present. Champagne is also a band podcast is proud to be a part of the Champagne Showers podcast network. Welcome to Champagne is also a band podcast. Today, I have Eli, and you may know Eli from such bands as Dolly Pop, Sleeping Okami, and Mermaid Heaven. Eli, welcome to the show. Hi, Sven. Today, we're going to be listening to your song, Night Bloom, which was released as a single with your band, Mermaid Heaven. So, without further ado, let's listen to the song.
Welcome back. So, of course, my first and favorite question to always ask is, what came first? Was it the music or was it the lyrics? In this case, I would probably say it was the music first, but it started with one of the lines, Am I Insane? And that riff, that line was the very beginning. I think I finished most of the chords first and then filled it out with the lyrics. Like I had a melody in place, but then I wrote the lyrics and continually reworked them for a little while. It was the music first. I usually do that music first and then finish the lyrics. Gotcha. Was your first musical motif, should I say, is like that first chord progression that we hear in the... Okay. I had this thought because the change between, I want to say like the first section and then the second section and that's just how my brain is organizing them. Like the cutting off point is is really the never grow up but always grow old. That to me is the linchpin between the two sections or should yeah. I say the, the bridge between the two sections. I was trying to figure out if your lyrics were influenced by the particular pattern that you were doing when you were playing this because there's kind of this, I know that it says you wrote a wave but I kept it picturing as if you're like riding a horse, like this this thing that's carrying you and having this rhythm of moving. And I was curious if your guitar pattern had an influence on what you said for that first line, or am I just making something up? Well, there's like an inherent melody in the guitar part that I think I was following with the vocals. That section does have like a very methodical rhythm to it. I would say yes. Okay. (laughs) But that part does feel very watery, very ocean, like you're going Mm. into the ocean, someone else's ocean, and you're drowning in their ocean, sort of. Yeah. Yeah. So I guess, like, you could compare the riding a horse to, like, the lapping of the waves, you know, similarly. It's interesting that you're going into someone else's ocean. My mind goes to that next line of, if to ask, am I insane? It's almost like the ocean is like its own little litmus test. Like you're dipping yourself into that litmus test to somehow come up with a with result, which is, I don't know, in COVID days, I'm just like, oh, we're always just kind of testing to see if we have something that we're either experiencing for real or we're just, oh, I have, I might have symptoms. I don't know. But anyway, <laughs> sorry, that maybe that's where my brain is at. But yeah. I, it's interesting that you know, our own experiences have grown into how they color the way that we interpret mm-hmm. other people's songs, which is... Yeah. Um, I mean, that's what music's all about, is someone writes a song and they have a clear intent and feeling when they write it from their own experience, but it's like totally up to you how you want to interpret and feel that song. That's the point. I've always been fascinated with the way that you choose... I don't know if choose is the right word, but that you pick or you, I don't know, divine the chords that you use because I never feel like you play, how do I say this? You never play a chord that doesn't have like a, a, a ninth or a tenth or a twelfth yeah. or whatever. It So, it, it's always seemed that you've had several jazz influences on mm-hmm. a lot of things that you do. I hate to just stick at the, on those first few lines, but I... I I feel like when you first start out, the way that you're interacting with that guitar pattern has a little bit of a scat singing kind of thing because it's not really on on the beat. It's the syncopated and Mm -hmm. in and out, which is very much back into the whole like word painting of these waves or 
in the water or even tossing a stone and having it skip across the water yeah. in contrast to the waves. I don't know if I've ever asked this question, and I'm asking this as honestly as possible. Do you see this as a happy or a sad song? It's got to be both. Okay. Sorry. I'm always, no. I'm, that's the kind of person I am. It's always no, both. That's, it's always a little bit of both. I'm kind of glad that that was my instinct that I didn't know. Yeah. Because I'm, I'm like... Cause it's bittersweet. I, um, well, it's a song about two people rescuing each other, essentially, and not being in the right time or the right place to do that, but still doing so anyway. Mm. And so, I mean, it's happy because two people found each other and were able to help push them along and get better. At the same time, it's sad because there's a time limit, like a known time limit to both parties' ability to be in part of each other's lives. So that's why it's night bloom because it's it's a flower blooming at night. It's a flower that is going to die in the morning or it's like not going to last. Hmm. But it's still a bloom. It's still something that's wonderful. I was thinking about the reason that plants bloom in that beautiful sense is to pull things towards them in some way, either to... I don't know if I'm saying like even a Venus flytrap, like to capture or to, to, to somehow attract or pull something in. Was that kind of a little bit of a metaphor that you were thinking about or this idea of like exposing that, that beauty to attract or pull yeah. in, but also it's, it's its own trap and, and having it be even at night, then who would even see yeah. it bloom at night? So for me, the metaphor is this other person helped me bloom. That's the feeling like I am blooming for you, but at nighttime because it's a it's a place only that we know or like this is like a friendship that is not shared with anybody else, but we're helping each other bloom. That was yeah. the metaphor. It's like we're helping each other grow. The one thing that I keep thinking about, at least structurally, is this mm -hmm. is the never grow up, but always grow old as the transition. And that, of course, is on that word old. The first time that you say that, mm -hmm. that's when the bass and like yeah. the, the roundness of the more instrumentation comes in. And then you say the line again. And I like to think about how in music, saying the same line over does not mean that you're repeating the same idea. It just means that you're re interpreting it in terms of getting this fleshed out do you write all the parts and then bring them to your bandmates it really depends but on this song in particular i wrote the guitar and the song itself completely mm -hmm. um that's not usually how it goes but i wrote the song almost completely got the arrangement and then sam uh, learned the song on the piano we tweaked the arrangement together uh so that it would flow very smoothly once he learned the song on the piano like fully like he knew all the chords could play it perfectly then we went back and started introducing synthesizers and got rid of the piano during the main section and just brought it in at the end and then he basically created a synth space yeah, yeah that filled out the song that's that's interesting because that that part is is the like the very meditative part of like let's let's think about what what you said in all of your words before and yeah. like what what just happened the synthesizers in this song definitely are what build the energy the guitar is just the same throughout the entire song so mm. that's really a, just a foundation it doesn't build 
or take away any energy. So really what Sam did with the synthesizers was ramp up the energy with the lyrics and the, the feeling of the lyrics. And so I feel like that's pretty much what ma- makes the song hmm. work. When this was getting fleshed out and the the arrangements were happening, was that a conscious decision to go from a very sparse sense of of a space where it was just you the guitar there's a few times that the towards the end of that section that the cymbals come in a nice ride taps in there and then when the bass drops in like was that kind of the intention from the beginning or was that as the process of recording that that happened i think it was a mixture of the natural feeling of the arrangement which is the foundation in my opinion, a lot of the times for a good song is the arrangement itself is what guides the energy of the song. Knowing where to plateau the energy and where to escalate are very crucial aspects of songwriting. This song in particular like, had a natural progression that just came very naturally, I think just got lucky. But also James is very good at knowing where to escalate energy and that's something that he's always bringing up like that's always on his mind so once the song itself was written he helped sam and i figure out well this is a point for escalation this is where we plateau this is a point of escalation this is where we plateau Hmm. that's how his mind tends to work and that's kind of where he fills in a lot of the time with the songwriting aspect he's really good at figuring out that side of things i noticed that there's a few parts where as as he's playing some of his snare hits he does it like for only two measures yeah. and then you're like just do it one more time just please because it's just like i'm like did is that what i just heard and by the time you your brain wraps around it it's already passed it's after the too late or too soon part mm-hmm. and then there's that that you're like wait did that but okay fine okay it's gone the outro if I can call it an outro, which, I mean, maybe you could even say that there are three sections to this. Let's just go. It's an outro. Um, yeah. So, like, you've got your two lyric sections, and then you've got the outro, which I definitely think of as, like, this third section. So, I'm just curious, that water or waterfall sound of, of some of the arpeggios that are happening, is that what was part of the original from the very beginning? Are you talking about the arpeggiator? Well, there is there is the arpeggiator, but... When the piano comes back, Mm. it's doing this kind of waterfall kind of like... That was the original arrangement. Yeah, that was Sam's original arrangement. Like, it was going to be played all the way through, or... Well, Sam, because he's a perfectionist, has to learn everything (laughs) first. Like, he wants to know every single chord, every note, every melody. And then once he knows that, then he'll back off and be more methodical about choosing and writing parts based on the chords that he's memorized and internalized. Mm. At the outro, what you're hearing is the original part that Sam wrote on the piano, the arrangement that he had when he was learning the song. And then he pulled that back and introduced the other things like the arpeggiator. Oh, that's a nice gritty arpeggiator yeah, that's happening we in there. On that that's arpeggiator. Like, we love that. Um, yeah. I mean, it's, it's it's this nice mix of like warm but also kind of no i i was gonna say threatening but that's not that that's almost too much and foreboding maybe a little yeah. bit i don't know it's actually like four different synths <laughs> <laughs> as as synths should be you know um when i talked to dj belly he, he said that his almost all of the sound synth sounds that he uses is it's at least three 
um, three synth sounds put together that he just pulled what he liked from like I like the high part of yeah. this one and then I like yeah. the mid part of this one and I like the bottom part of this mm-hmm. one and then that is mm-hmm. the resulting sound I, I, I wish I could say I had the patience for that but usually I'm just like I like that sound I, going back to the lyrics mm-hmm. um, because I feel like we only talked about that first part of the I rode out a wave to see how far I could last I, I'm curious about the am I the forest or the trees because the words carved into me. And I was just curious, like, w- how do you interpret the words? Like, what words would you think were being carved? Or is that a weird question? No, it's not a weird oh. question. No weird questions. In this case, the words just represent experiences. Hmm. So... And all relationships and friendships, any kind of relationship is a new experience. People are experiences. So in this case, the words just represent how somebody makes you feel and what you learn from them. Trees, when you carve into them, they stay at the same height. They never grow up. They just, the bark grows over it and it gets older, quote unquote. So it was just a feeling of like, when somebody stays with you for a short time, and then leaves for whatever reason like that memory didn't get to grow older with you because the person didn't get to stay but Mm. you carry their experience you carry the memory of them with you the potential of what maybe could have been will always be there it never grows up but it grows old with you and you get to carry that away i love that i love that a lot i was also thinking about how people will You know, it's usually if you carve into a tree, it's about love, right? Yeah. Like people will carve. Totally. Exactly. um, Blah, blah, blah. Plus blah, blah, blah. Mm -hmm. In in a certain way, it's like, as you said, that that frozen moment. Exactly. Where it just stays. Huh. Because you walk by those all the time and you see blah, 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 plus blah, blah, blah. And you're like, well, I wonder what they're doing now. Are they still together? Did they get into a fight right after that? How could you destroy a tree? I thought you'd like it. Maybe they're dead and buried next to each other. Um, You have no idea. Yeah, I don't know why. Just this week, I was just thinking about, as I was walking into work, there's so many moments in our lives where I just look and I say, oh my God, it is possible that right now, at this very second, someone is having the worst day of their lives. Like, this could be the worst thing. But also, somebody could be like, elated because they had the best news or they had the best thing that ever happened to them in their entire life. I think about that a lot too. I'm going to tell you what is my favorite part of the song mm-hmm. and then if you'll tell me what's your favorite part. It's hard to pick and and you know I I always thought that this would be a good idea to be able to ask people like and then tell them what my favorite part and then like why but then I realized how many times there's like two that I can't choose, but I will just go for it and I would just say, and I know this is somewhat cliche, but I do love when the bass drops because I feel like that rounds it out and then there's like that energy and impulsion just happens. Mm -hmm. You know, you're already creating this rhythmic motif with your guitar, but then there's this certain response that fill in the gaps and make these these kind of very cool rhythmic things happening Mm -hmm. and it's like, it in itself the sound overall sound is blooming yeah and so totally. it's just like it just the fragrances opened up yeah. the petals opened up and yeah. like i love that but then it's also at the same time this is also the part where i'm just like okay is this a happy song or a sad song yeah. is because there's the in this darkness built for two 
I bloom. It's like happy, sad, happy, sad, you know, back and forth going on. At the same time, this like these really cool sounds are starting to happen and you're you're like your brain gets engaged. So Mm -hmm. I I really feel like it it pulls you in for that moment. Well, I think it's what you're talking about as a metaphor for what the song is really about, which is something happens and you get pulled and you get sucked into it and you don't have control anymore. Like you took that first step and then once you took that first step, it pulls you away. Mm. That's kind of how the energy of the song builds with the bass and the synthesizers. You start the song being lulled like it's a vocal and a guitar. It's like very smooth, very low energy, but each step that you take forward, like it pulls you. You don't get a choice anymore once you've committed to that first step. And that's kind of what the song is about, meeting someone who changes your life and not realizing in the moment like what's happening necessarily. But then the longer it goes on, like you realize how profound that meeting was and how it is changing you and how you are changing the other person. Sometimes people come along in your life and you just can't say no to them. You can't say no to the way that they change you. Mm. You just have to go along with it and accept it. I like your point because that is exactly mirroring what the song is about. What's your favorite part of the song? Honestly, the outro, because it was an accident. Like, I finished writing the song, and I wasn't really sure how to end it. The funny thing is that I don't remember writing songs. I always try to remember in the moment, but, like, that initial stage of writing, the memory stops working. Hmm. I literally can't remember. But this moment I did remember, which was pretty cool. I accidentally went to the wrong chord as I was practicing it, and it felt out of place, but then I got chills, and was just going back and forth between those two chords and i liked it enough that it just stuck you know the mistake or the the where your your hand just slips up or something like that and then you end up with that sometimes the best parts are when you're just like you stop thinking about it and it just happens but i'm curious like this is kind of my side question is you know the way that you said that you don't have a memory of it certainly music is therapeutic and like sometimes things just pop out that you don't necessarily think are happening and somehow it's like it becomes its own therapy or reveal session Mm -hmm. when you write Mm -hmm. when you started off with the guitar chords and you started off with that line did you know that this is where that song was going and then as a therapeutic method was this is this something that kind of revealed Mm -hmm. itself to you or did you start off with that intention to write it did not start off with that intention to write it but i think for me the way songwriting is is that it is very therapeutic and usually every song that i write is a result of some situation that like changes the my perspective or a person who changes my perspective Mm -hmm. it's basically a timeline of who has affected me the most at that given moment. And I was processing the appearance and the soon-to-be loss of this person in my life in the background. It's always in the background. It's always in the subconscious. And, you know, then I was practicing at home, trying a different tuning, and just that chord progression came out. And as that comes out, you know, the words that you think of always have to do with the grief that you're processing at that time and so it ended up being about that sensation Mm. naturally 
And also, I mean, that's why I chose this song to talk about is because this one bloomed the most naturally for me. I didn't Mm -hmm. have any struggle writing the song. With every other song that I've ever written, there's always a part or a lyric or something about it with the arrangement that I feel like somebody else would know how to write this better than me. There's a better way to do this. I just don't know what it is. Yeah. But with Night Bloom, it felt completely natural. It felt completely right. There's no part of it that I would go back and edit or mm. ask somebody else to do. Even in the midst of the current coronavirus pandemic, the Jubilee Cafe is continuing to serve packaged home-cooked meals free to all every Monday evening, 5 to 6.30 p.m. Meals are available for pickup outside the 6th Street door to the Community United Church of Christ in Champaign, Illinois, 805 South 6th Street. Jubilee Cafe's mission remains the same. Feed hungry people by cooking healthy and delicious meals. We are open to anyone who cares to receive a meal. For information on the meal or how to volunteer, go to the Jubilee Cafe CUCC Facebook page or email us at jubilee.cafe at community-ucc.org. Welcome back. So, Eli, what is your favorite Champaign-Urbana venue, past or present? Well, my cop-out answer is that they're all my favorite because the intention behind making a venue is an inherent risk to the person who is doing it. Mm. And the fact that anybody is willing to take that risk is so generous and such a beautiful thing that they all deserve credit for even taking that risk emotionally, financially. So they're all my favorite. That being said, Rose Bowl is killing it right now. Yes. They are single-handedly carrying us forward. So I think they deserve an amazing amount of credit for that. When did you fall in love with music? Well, I've been playing music my whole life, Mm. but classically when I was younger, And to be truthful, I had a really negative experience playing classical music growing up because it was very demanding, very strict, very competitive, and I don't really thrive in that kind of pressure. And so I really had a negative idea of what playing music with other people Mm. was for a very long time. And I moved back to town sometime around 2015, 2014 and was living in a house with the Duke of Uk. I was living in the attic. He was living in the basement. And one day I just had my guitar, which I was teaching myself at the time. And he heard me playing and just asked me about it. And he found out that I played piano much better than guitar. Mm. And so he invited me to come jam with him and his friends. And that kind of got me started. It was a very nurturing, loving environment for someone like me who was just painfully shy and not comfortable with myself at the time. And they were really encouraging. And I played the piano with them. That was Dolly Pop, and that ended up in Dolly Pop. 
how did Mermaid Heaven happen? Was that a solo project to begin with? Well, Sam and I lived together at the time, and we were just playing music constantly. That's why we were living together, is because we just wanted to jam all the time. I met James through recording Sleeping Okami with him. He and I just got to talking one day, and he invited me to send him some songs. We started collaborating, and I invited Sam to collaborate because Sam is... If I'm the right hand, he's the left hand. If yeah. I'm the left hand, I'm he's the right hand. You know, yeah. like, we write together. I did see that Mermaid Heaven released a video as an entry into the NPR Tiny Desk Concert. When did you say, I, I want to do a Tiny Desk Concert, and then well, uh, when do I want to coordinate the lights with it? Or So, actually, it was <laughs> the other way around, funnily enough. Oh. So, we did not intend to do a tiny desk entry at all that was uh-huh. not on our minds james and sam are both really into programming lights or they wanted to learn more about it and so james approached sam about like hey i have this idea like james is always pushing for let's figure out how to do it ourselves which is awesome sam and i love to do everything ourselves we're perfectionists we want to have control control freaks and so we were like yes let's do it so let's learn how to program lights ourselves So we were thinking, let's have a video where we program the lights ourselves. And um, we just picked the song You because we haven't released it and it was finished and it's slow enough that, you know, we could like learn with it. So we started programming lights that we had, the lamps. And then James saw, oh, you know, they're accepting tiny desk entries right now. I'll just go out and get this cute little school desk and uh, sit in it. And so now it's which a tiny I heard, desk entry. Which I've, I've overheard that that's, that was not perhaps the best decision, the small <laughs> it desk. It was tiny, yeah. It was hard. It was, he had, once he got into the seat, he was seated the entire time <laughs> and directed us, okay, now press that button. Okay, now go to the camera and press that button. <laughs> that's excellent. I'll put a link in the show notes about yeah. where to find that video. Yeah. It was just a great learning process for us to program the lights ourselves because we want to do that with other live videos that we mm. do james is really into having a visual aspect for almost everything that we release ultimately because he's really into videography and has been teaching sam and i how to do that essentially cool my kind of final question about the scene is it's become very very obvious that our existence and interactions with each other uh, really are bettered by us seeing live music and being yeah. around other people and seeing those kind of interactions. So it's it's been something that I've wanted to explore. And so as part of that, I want to ask, what do you think makes a good music scene? I think the most important thing is mentorship because without it, the younger generation will have a harder time growing it and lifting the music scene up. And I just say that because when I started playing music with other people, Sarah, the bassist, Sarah Kramer, Mm -hmm. she acted as a mentor to me and I would not have been able to have the confidence to enter the music scene without that. So, I mean, there's so many different aspects that go into having a great music scene, like having good venues that are good spaces for people, kindness towards one another, like 
different friend groups that already have pre-existing bonds, like a town that's supportive of it. There are so many different things, but when it comes down to having musicians who are able to create art, I think mentorship is the most important piece there. That I did try to play in a band in like 2012, and I was a mess back then, so there were other reasons why I didn't fully enter the music scene at that time. There was no one there who took me under their wing. It was too intimidating, honestly, for me. I didn't know what I was doing, but being the only female in a band at the time, 2011, 2012, it was like too much for me personally. Mm. I couldn't handle it. I felt like I didn't belong. I felt like mm. they didn't want me there. I felt like I was, I just felt like I wasn't included. And there's no reason, like they they weren't behaving in a way to make me feel discluded, but it was like the mentality. And so this next time that I came through with Sarah, being able to just intentionally show me, like, it's okay to mess up. It's okay that you don't know what you're doing. It's okay to start simply. Getting to watch her walk through that process was very important for me to be able to do that. And not everyone has the same personality. Like I had a more timid personality. So I think part of that is just me. It's my fault. But having examples is critical. The opposite side of the coin is like, what can Champaign-Urbana do better? It's hard for any one person to answer that question because it's going to depend so deeply on the person's experience in the music scene, which depends on which part of the music scene that you're in, which friends that you have, how much experience you have in music, like what is it that you're able to bring to the table and how Mm. valuable is it, et cetera, et cetera. I'll just speak for myself. One thing I think I would like to do better in the music scene is making sure that I'm showing up to people's shows to make sure that they know that I support them. And I've tried to do this, but you know, of course, like with the pandemic, it's difficult. Like I have a mini studio at home and I just make sure that any friend who is musical knows like if you want to use it, if you want me to show you how to use a studio, like just come over, we'll talk about it. So making sure that people around me, friends who are musical, they have a space to learn and I'll teach them because that's how I learned is that, you know, James had equipment, he had a space, he had the knowledge. So, I mean, James mentored Sam and I and taught us how to record, taught us how to get the videos. I guess it's exactly what I'm talking about is like mentoring other people when they want to learn. There are wonderful people that are out there that are doing that. They are, But we could use so many more people. There are so many people. Plus, maybe this is just simple pedagogy, but it seems to me that the more that you can teach people what you know, the more that you yourself learn. absolutely yeah yeah it's got to be an intentional thing that's why i'm articulating it is Mm -hmm. because it's easy to forget to do that it's easy to forget champagne is also a band podcast is proud to support exile on main street exile on main street located in the old train station building at 100 north chestnut street in downtown champaign has been helping to build record collections since 2004 carrying a wide array of new and used lps cds and video games exile on main street has something for just about any music enthusiast and old school gaming devotee 
Exile also hosts regular free live music shows on its stage, so be sure to check out their Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter pages for the up-to-date details on the next upcoming event. Open seven days a week. They can be reached by phone at 217-398-MAIN. That's 217-398-6246. Welcome back. So, Eli, what is your favorite non-musical thing or things? The gym. The gym? Yeah. I've been learning to lift weights for the last couple of years, and it's not like I'm progressing amazingly or anything like that, but it's changed my mental health completely. Hmm. And I used to have like, (laughs) this is kind of a silly thing to talk about on a podcast, but I used to have lower back pain and just getting stronger physically makes me feel so much more capable and able to handle daily living. And it's also just really good for your mental health. So I would say going to the gym, lifting, working out, endorphins, that's my favorite thing outside of music. That's probably the thing I spend the most time on outside of music. That, like, how did you find out that that was... A friend was really into it and showed me how. Was it like, it'll help you mentally or it's just like, did... I'm just just curious. Um, It was like, this is the most efficient way to work out. And I'm all about efficiency and the least amount of time possible to do anything is better for me. Once I started and once I realized how much progress you can make by weightlifting, just in terms of like strength and endurance. Isn't isn't your keyboard like a Nord or, or whatever? Or yeah, like, Sam's keyboard so is a Nord. It's heavy. heavy. So I'm like, I'm sure that yes. that probably, <laughs> it also helps. You right? know what is funny is that I used to play the piano with Dolly Pop, but I switched to the guitar and committed to learning the guitar because I could not handle emotionally having to carry around a big keyboard all of the time. Wow. <laughs> and and now, how do you, I mean, do you now carry more keyboard? Nope. Oh, no. Nope. Oh, not going just back. Just guitar. Just um, guitar. I'll play a real piano because that's what I grew up learning. Mm. But no. Just guitar and my amp and my pedal board. Thank you very much. Eli, thank you for being on the show and telling me all about your song, Night Bloom, and being in Mermaid Heaven and your favorite venues and some things that could be better in Champaign-Urbana and what is the key to a, a good music scene. So I really appreciate your insight and coming all the way out here and chatting with me. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. This space is awesome. And also just the same way that people take risks starting venues. Like you had to take an emotional risk to start a podcast and just Mm. put the effort and investment into that. So I respect that a lot. Oh, thank you so much. I appreciate that. Thank you for listening to Champagne is also a band podcast. This is Eli from Mermaid Heaven reminding you, great music is out there. Go find it where you live.
a wrap. Champagne is also a band. You almost have an NPR voice. It's so good. Do <laughs> studio. <laughs> We also have a laser. We haven't gotten that out yet. That's next.